podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Andy Campbell! It's in! Campbell comes off the bench to be a hero! A superhero! Breakthrough! It's taken a while, but it's been worth the wait for Cardiff City! Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation and welcome to the Andy Campbell Football Show, uh, episode number 46 of the Andy Campbell Show overall and uh, we're going to be talking some, some football and uh, talking with our guest about his career as, uh, as well as a few other things but just as we wait for the, the live chat to fill up a little bit, do some plugs as, uh, as always. You can catch any of our podcast shows and interviews which we do at Ace Podcast Nation, youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation for the video uh, views. And if you want to listen to it or download it, you can get it at all your usual radio podcasting apps, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the usual places, usual suspects, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and alike. Uh, We've got shows on MMA, boxing, football, uh, wrestling, TV, films, conspiracy theories, loads and loads of more. We've also got a, a new cricket season, uh, cricket season, cricket series uh, debuted, uh, which I'm recording tomorrow with West Indies international Kieran Powell, former Glamorgan cricketer and uh, Nyron Norman, which will be interesting as we preview the England versus West Indies series, which starts at the beginning of July. We've got a, a very exciting boxing series coming soon as well, all worth checking out. Uh, also, I'd like to take the time to thank uh, Martin and Black Diamond Sports for all the support, uh, supporting the channel. They do a lot of work behind the scenes helping us out. Uh, Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world. Uh, you can find more information at their social media pages and in particular their LinkedIn page. But uh, I highly recommend them indeed. But uh, that's the plugs. That's the boring stuff as such. The, the plugs, let's get into the good stuff. And uh, joining me as usual, my partner in crime, the speed demon, the goal collector, Mr. Andrew Campbell, former Cardiff City and Middlesbrough legend. How are you, sir? I'm very well, mate. Very well. Pleased to be here again. Yeah, Highlight of the week. Um, always, mate. Yeah, long week, I think. So I'm not sure why. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to this. Indeed. And uh, joining us, of course, is uh, former Rangers, Blackpool, I'm going to miss one, Stoke, Liverpool. Lords. And uh, former, you know, well, not former, Scotland International and current Reading midfielder, Mr Charlie Adam. How are you, sir? Good evening. All good. Thank you. You? Yeah, Privilege, Charlie. Great to have you on, mate. Thanks for, Indeed, thanks for joining us, mate. It's really good to come on. Really looking forward to it. So uh, what we like to do, Charlie, to start is uh, we have this thing called the Magnificent Seven, which is basically seven uh, quick-fire questions. We just ask you to say the first thing which comes to mind when we ask, and it just lets the viewers get a feel for your, for, your, for you and your tastes, as it were. So, uh, yep. yeah, Magnificent Seven with Charlie Adam. Here we go. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Stone Roses or Oasis? Oasis. Kenny Dalglish or Fergie? 
Uh, oh, this is a tough one, this Charlie. Oh, this is hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> does he go with? Does he go with? A, does he go with a Scottish I, I, icon? Yeah. Does he go with someone who signed him at Liverpool? Yeah, I'll go for Kenny. Same me. Yeah. Oh, good shout. So, they might buy a book straight away. Uh, <laughs> Stevie Gerrard or Roy Keane? Steven Gerrard. Uh, the manager who gives the best hairdryer treatment. Walter Smith. Ooh, good shout. Didn't know that. Uh, best, best roommate. Uh, unfortunately, I, um, I've not shared for a long time. And the last time I shared a room was with Stephen Craney at Blackpool. Okay. And worst trainer. <laughs> Ever. Wow. Ever, mate, yeah. Ever. Yeah. Uh, Gianni Ambula. There you go. The Ch- Charlie Adam, Magnificent Seven. And uh, so what we like to do as well is after we've done that, just before we get into your career, uh, Charlie, we uh, discuss a couple of stories from over the weekend. Um, where do you want to start, Anne? Um, I'd like to start with um, two things. Obviously, I want to look at the, the Aston Villa game uh, against Sheffield United and um, start with uh, goal line technology. Um, and obviously, just take on... On Charlie's take of what you saw, Charlie, I don't know if you watched the game, you know what I mean? I was, I've been so excited to watch um, football and get football back. You know, I know you played at the weekend and um, and I just think everyone was so excited to watch the game and then it just turned into an absolute shambles again. You know what I mean? It just gives football a bad name. So what was your take on what happened and uh, and what could have what could have um, or should have happened instead of what happened? Going back to the technology, it started the Sheffield United game with Shambolic, wasn't it? How the... You know, how can you put everything into the whole season of VAR and everything like that and then a goal like that happen and, you know, not giving, no help from anybody else. It was clearly over the line. Yeah. But we could just say it's a, uh, an error. I think it was something like 9,000, one in 9,000 or something like that. So it's hard to take. It's going to be big for Sheffield United because they obviously... Feel it might take a little bit of momentum. Obviously, the result yesterday was yeah, yeah. not great. The performance, not to the level that they're capable of. But um, I think they deserve a lot of products still. Sheffield United, they've done incredible. You know, it's two bad results for them really in mm. the space of seven, eight months. So no, they 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 they're, they've been excellent. But um, mm. yeah, it's it was a whole build up, wasn't it? And um, you know, I felt that the games have probably been flat. I think the Tottenham game's probably been the best game I've seen. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Totally I'll, go, I'll go back on your point there though about Chrissy Wilder obviously I played for Chrissy at Halifax Town and, I, and, I, and I, I could see how much he was hurting I could see how, how much he was hurting yesterday and still reeling about what happened to Villa because you just yeah. said there about, moment, about momentum that um, you know what I mean he builds his sides on that momentum and building from game to game and pushing on from one game to the next and you know what I mean that, that, that for them and them alone probably them and Wolves are probably the two teams I really feel sorry for about 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 stopping the season because they were they were hitting the ground running they were doing really well and who knows where where they would have ended because they rely on the atmosphere at Bramall Lane they they strive on going to these big grounds and 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 hostile atmospheres so you know I mean I, really, I feel really sorry for teams like that yeah they do and um, you know I was fortunate you know, I've always liked how Chris has played and and Alan Neil done a good job but I was fortunate enough that I managed to speak to him we played him in the cup just before really the pandemic hit and I got about 20 minutes before I wasn't involved in the game and just talking to him and that and he just come across as a top guy top manager and yeah. 
you know, his way of talking, his the way he wanted to play the game was just was great. And do you know what I mean? And he and he gave me time that, you know, as somebody that, you know, wants to learn the game still, he was like, you know, just have my number, come and come and speak, come and see the training anytime you want. So I've I've got a lot of respect for him. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, but but it's a big decision and it and it will hurt. If it didn't hurt, then it'd be a worry. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's a huge decision. Um and mm. listen, they've got to get over it, but He's he'll get them over it in the next the oh, next yeah, few totally games and, and they'll yeah. definitely be back to, to the way they are, you know? Yeah, totally agree. You know, for me though, right, what's the point in having the VAR referees if when you know, it was obvious within thirty seconds after it happened that it was a goal. Now what's the point in having a video assist these video assistant assistant referees if they don't step in at that point and tell the referee the goal line technology has failed, you know, it's a goal. Because that could cost Sheffield United a Champions League space, which they may never have the opportunity to get again. Um, and I just, I'm struggling I'll, with that a big time. I've got, I've got a problem though. The problem goes goes further than VAR here because what's the point of a linesman? You know what I mean? A linesman is a linesman was on that on the side of the where the where the, where the balls the balls in the goal. Do you know what I mean? So the linesman is the linesman has got to give the goal. That's the first person. The ref can't see from where he is. Impossible. If he makes that call, it's a brave person if it's not gone in. The linesman can see a, a, good, a good angle. Um, the watch should also see it. It didn't. It obviously went off at half-time, apparently 15 minutes later on. It was on a 15-minute timer. VAR's got to then overrule it. So there's so many um, error judgments. There's so many wrong things that have happened. You know what I mean? It's just taking yes. its time to come to, the right, to come to the right conclusion. Because, obviously, in the European games, you have these um, officials that say the goal. Here's my opinion on it. Why don't the, the, the opposite side linesmen come in and stand beside the goal. I agree. Because then he yeah. then he could he could spot pushing. Because like we had the same Saturday, there was an absolute stonewall penalty. We had a, a push in the back, and the referee never gave it. He would have gave it if the crowd was there. But if the fourth official would actually the the linesman actually come over to near the goalpost or seen it or near the six yard box, he would have seen it. So it's the same. For, for that um, situation where, you know, the VAR doesn't work. The, the linesman should actually come back in to, towards the, the goal and he can actually see what's going on in the penalty area in case the referee misses it or whatever, you know, and it, it's another eye that's closer to the box. Um, that's what I, I, I think that should, should happen. But, right. Um, Charlie, we, can, we, can, we, can, we can then go further than that then. So what's your opinion in, uh, in VAR not being involved in the championship? Because if you're, if you're in the FA Cup this season, if you played away in the Premier League... Against Sheffield United, you have VAR mm-hmm. there. If you play them at the, at the Majeski, you don't get VAR, and there's Not, so many things wrong with that. No, I, I, I think so, and I think that the, the Championship have got the money to do it. They should yeah, be allowed totally to agree. do it. There's, there is so much pressure on Championship clubs getting promoted, mm-hmm. and small decisions in margins could make a difference to these clubs. And I believe that they should, you know, they should at least. Be a fund from the Premier League or or something to to make it happen, especially the Championship, because there's so much at stake with the rewards, you know. It, yeah. um, but we, we could keep talking to the cows come home, and it's not probably yeah. ever going to change, is it? You know. No, well, well, the thing is, though, you know, I think we've seen over um, over the course of um, COVID nineteen that that all the leagues are in in England, in Britain are. A trek differently, you know what I mean. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. So for me, it should be one rule for one, one rule for everybody else, and it should be a continuation, and everyone's sticking together and pushing in the same direction. But they're not; it's not going to be. And I think we just got to get on with it, like you say. You know what I mean. Some leagues uh, are taken a lot more seriously than others. You know what I mean. The Premier League is obviously the the, the place where everyone wants to be. Of course, it is. You know what I mean. The Championship is the 
for me is the holy grail as well, which is the, is the way to make money because you win that, you get in the playoffs like you did at, at Blackpool, which we're going to talk about later on. That um, yeah. you get, you get, it's it's worth a lifetime for a football club in in terms of financial. You know what I mean? And exposure yeah. and sponsorship, etc. You know what I mean? It puts you on the map and. Um, it's just fine margins, and, and but that could cost. So that could cost Reading. You know what I mean? It, it, in big terms, yeah. if it was a place in the playoffs, promotion, relegation, it's not fair, and it's not. It's, it shouldn't be happening in this day and age of football. No, listen, individual. If we never had the VAR and, like, say, individuals, we could hang it. But in the Premier League, they, there's no way that they, this should be happening. You know, Maybe. it's. It's you know, people have got to step in. They've got they've got the television. They've got the VAR. They wanted it brought in. It's there. And to all of a sudden for it not to work, it's it's incredible. And um, I totally agree. It's it's a it's a shame because it puts pressure on Michael Oliver at the time as a referee. Do you know what I mean? And, mm. and it's, at the end of the day, it's, he's saying my watch never worked or the the, the thing never worked. It's human. Mm. It is a technical error, but people you know, stop the park or you know. I well, the point, the, the, the point that I've got, Charlie, as well, like, and, and it's backing referees up here. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, I'm not really an advocate for that on here. Normally, I'm here to slag them off. But I think if the referee didn't wear the watch and that technology wasn't there, he still wouldn't have given the goal because he didn't see it and he can't see it from the angle he was at. Unless he stood directly on the goal line or on the, on the byline, he's not going to see that, that going in the net. You know what I mean? Then he's looking over to his linesman. He's looking over to, for help from somebody else. And like you say, if there was another body... Uh, getting level where it's, it, it helps. The more people there are going to help make them decisions and get them right. But I think so, sometimes we're a little bit reliant. Well, he was especially reliant on his technology, but like he's but he's got to be. Craig makes a good point here in the chat. He says, uh, "Why can't they use the big screens in the ground? While there's no fans in the ground, obviously he understands that they they can't use the screens when the fans are in the grounds because it could cause problems." But while there's no fans there, there's no real excuse to not integrate those big screens with, with the VAR, I think. But, yeah, yeah. there is a point. But then you, you look at a ground like Old Trafford, they don't have the screen. They only no, have a, no, small, no. a small thing, a technical sort. You know, mm. then we're trying to make excuses already by bringing yeah, other yeah. big screens in to hang it. So yeah. it's changing the dynamic of the game before... You know what I mean? We're trying to. Yeah, yeah. We're only talking about that because it was an in, there was an error made. You know, if it, if there was no error made, we wouldn't be talking about trying to bring another extra screen in so everybody could see. It's it's difficult. It's tough on Sheffield United as a as a group of players and as a and as a club, but they have to just get on with it, put it to the back of their mind, and and hoping that they they can pick up because I thought they they were they were disappointing yesterday, and um, mm. uh, you know I was I was looking forward to watching them, but mm. people people were asking me the other day, what about Newcastle? If I looked at it, I'd still expect Newcastle to be beating Sheffield United, no matter, you know, how well they are. It's Newcastle's Newcastle, big club. It's a tough place Huge to go. Huge club, yeah. Huge club. You know, um, but mm. it is what it is. And, um, no, they'll bounce back, Sheffield United. I think they be, they, they have been excellent and they'll bounce back to to that in the next game. Mm. Um, just while we're on about Aston Villa and Sheffield United, I, 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 wanna, I, I watched uh, an interview today. Dean Smith did an interview about Jack Grealish uh, and he did. Yeah. It was about uh, Jack being the most fouled midfield player um, in the league. He's, he's been fouled 140 times, which is nearly double than the next person, which is Wilfred Zaha. And Wilfred Zaha, obviously a winger. He takes people on. He's, he's that kind of player. Why is it then that Jack Grealish is getting fouled as much? Is it a vendetta, like, like Dean Smith is saying? Or is it um, just the way that Jack plays his football? So obviously, Euler played directly against Jack. So, you know what I mean? He likes to get the ball to feet. He keeps close control of the ball. So, what, what is it? What makes him... 
get in, get get tackled that much. Oh, he's a good player. <laughs> Simply yeah, that, you know, player. He's, he's a dangerous player. So, you know, people say if we stop Aston Villa, we've got a better chance of beating them. If we stop Jack Grealish, he's the main player. Mm. Um, yeah, he's been fouled a lot, but you know, you know a lot. Of, you know, when you when you've got somebody like that, a talent, you know, if you stop them, you know, Villa aren't the same team if he's f- f- playing foot flow. And at times yesterday, he was playing as a as a wing, as a as a fullback. That's just the pressure that, Liverpool, that Chelsea put on you. Mm. So. Um, I just like to see him more central instead of playing on a, on a wider area. I think he's better as a ten, um, but it's um, no. He's listen. He's a terrific talent, and um, mm. it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer one because you know he's he deserves the. You know, yeah, we'll probably get a move if they if they do go go down. But um, no, listen, I totally I think agree. Is a, I totally is a great club, big yeah, big totally club, agree. and he's a, he's a good player. You know. It's interesting what you've just said there, though, Charlie. Sorry, Sai. It's uh, no. about about Jack Grealish. That Jack um, uh, Dean Dean tried to um, say how influential he is as a player, um, but they tried to. He said that we haven't relied on too much in the last two games, and then the reporter threw back at him. Well, but you haven't won in the last two games. You've drew and you've drew and you've lost. So you know what I mean. Sometimes you'd rather be relying on on your best player. You know what I mean. That he he made the point that he's playing. He played a lot out wide against um, Chelsea, but he set the goal up, which he laid back to the fullback to cross in for the centre half to finish, which is great. But. I, I'm the same as you. I, I like him getting in the ball, driving in the box. You know what I mean. I'll use his example like he did for Villa against Birmingham last year. You know what I mean. That it's hostile atmosphere, but he's driving in, taking people on, shooting across the goalkeeper. That's a Jack Grealish what we all want to see for club and country. And if he's not doing that, he's going to struggle to get in the England squad if he's not playing in them kind of positions. No, but if you know, if you're going back to the thing, it, it's difficult for Jack Grealish when he's he needs players to get him on the ball. He needs people to be able to penetrate between the lines. Yeah. You know, uh, instead of playing sideboards and backwards, he needs somebody in midfield that actually, you know, gets excited when he be able to pass it forward. Do you know what I mean? And be able to to get him on it because there's no better f- when when you're playing a team like that and you see your best talented player and you can get him on the ball and he goes by people and he's a bag of tricks and he can get fouls and he ties players to dive in. No, it's a joy to to actually stand behind him and watch him. Do you know what I mean? So. The biggest onus, I think, is on the players trying to find him the ball more regular. I don't think they try and get him on it enough. Yeah, because I don't see it in their team. They don't have somebody that, that looks to penetrate the pass forward at times between the lines. Um, they've got nice, tidy footballers in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, it, listen, it is tough when, you, when you're when you a team that's down the bottom and, you know, there's a lot of onus on a, a youngster who's a local lad, captain, and people are trying to look for inspiration from him. And you know, if he does have a tough game or a bad game, you know, you know, Villa seem to lose, or you know, it's not just a bit dry. They're, they're losing too many goals at the other end as well, and that that's not helping. Well, you can't run a team, can you, say? You can't. We spoke about this week before. You know what I mean about the lads in the championship, predominantly lads. Uh, you know what I mean. Um, you can't do things on your own and, and, and Jack's a local boy he's played for Villa all his life he takes it to heart when they lose you know what I mean and like you say there Charlie you know what I mean as a, as a current player you know what I mean as a, a as an opposition against him that you're keeping quiet you know what I mean you can snub Villa out a little bit so it's, it doesn't give you much yeah. of, it doesn't give you much of, a, much of an opportunity then does it? No and that's um, that's the big thing for them and that's the that's the worry for Aston Villa at the moment he needs to Pick his level up in the last, you know, next few games to 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 try and get them out of the, the the problems that they're in. So, do you think that um, regardless of whether Villa go down or stay up, do you think if United, for instance, come in with fifty million, Villa have got to take that? 
like you're making 50 million from a hometown, you know, an academy product. Um, what do you think, Charlie? Do you think that's they got to take that? They don't need to take it because they've got a rich owner. They don't need to, but for, for his career to go and play at the next level where he deserves an opportunity to, to, to go and flourish at Man United, if it is a Man United or, you know, is it is it someone else, an Everton maybe? Um, yeah, I would I would see it happening. It's um, they're definitely going to be interesting. Uh, him and John McGinn in the summer, if it, if they're in the Premier League or or they do go down, the two of them have done extremely well the last mm. few months, last year and this Premier League season. So they um, not be interesting times, but I don't think Asvel are in any pressure to sell him. Um, I just think it'll be a a decision for him as a player. Does he feel he's done enough for Aston Villa and to move on if it's a Man United? That, that want them. Good shout. Uh, right, moving on a little bit. Obviously, we've uh, we've we've covered um, COVID nineteen. Obviously, the the bad, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but I'd like to look at the positives, Charlie. That that how how it affected you. You know what I mean? In the in the, in the positive more than the negative. Obviously, football was taken away for you, for, from you. But how did you keep on fit? Did, keep on getting fit? Uh, did you do your own stuff? Did you get a program from the club? How did talk us through how that all happened? Well, I used it. I used it as a positive. I used it as a mini preseason. I knew from I had a week off when so all hit, and I thought to myself, right, I need to go and train hard. I need to use it as a, a platform to, because I'm at a contract. So you still got to think about next season as well. You got to think, right, I've got nine games. I don't know when I'm going to be there, and mentally as well, it was an opportunity to get out of the house for an hour and a half, went to exercise that we can we were allowed to do. Um, you know, I'm living in London, my family are up north, so it was good to spend time with my kids at home as well for yeah. eight, nine weeks, you know, every day. And so I used it as a as a mental thing to be able to get the house away, you know, from the kids, keep to a daily routine of training at ten o'clock tra- training at ten o'clock. Yeah. Um and I worked hard and, you know, getting the, hopefully going to get the rewards in the next nine games, get an opportunity to play and and, and see what happens for in, in these nine games. And, you know, we we drew it home at the weekend, which was tough. Um, we did okay, and you know, opportunities that up to about seventy minutes, and then they started launching balls in the box, and they caused us problems. Um, we we never defended the goal. Um, probably looking back, it was my um, I'd say it was probably my fault for the goal. I misread the cross, and I thought that they were going to miss it. And you know, when you're defending set players in the ninety fourth minute, you got to deal with the cross, and probably never done it well enough. And uh, yeah, we lost the goal, so I'm disappointed with that, but. You know, it's um, no, it's been it's been good for for me as a, a fitness side, and you know, using it as a mental preparation for the next nine games. Just while you spoke about uh, the game at the weekend, so what um, what was it like being back under obviously no fans? You know, I mean that was that must probably be the first time you've you've done that in a in a hell of a long time. You know, we were speaking about you know, I mean it reminded me a little bit like of playing Ponting's League Reserve games back in 1995, 96, that playing in front of no fans has never been anything to me. You know, it's always been fans and fans have made football. So it must have been very strange. No, the thing for me is because uh, when I was at Stoke and even at Reading, I, um, if I don't play on a Saturday and there's like a, a 23s game or a, the checker trade that we could all play in at the moment, you know, senior players can play in that. I always put my name forward to play because I want to play at least one ninety minutes a week if I can to try and yeah. stay mark sharp. So I'm sort of used to it as in like there's nobody coming to these check trade games. Um so there was nobody in the, you know what I mean? So it was like that. And for me, yes Saturday I actually quite enjoyed it. But the problem you half thought was 
when you're actually shouting on the pitch, you could hear, you know, everybody could hear what you're shouting, and, and you know, if the fans are in the stadium, sometimes they can't hear you. So yeah, yeah. I think you've got, I think you sometimes you've got to tone down how you actually speak to your t- teammates, um, yeah. because it, it, everybody can see it. Do you know what I mean and hear yeah. it? So. It is tough, but um, no, I, I actually quite enjoyed it. It was um, no different. Once you cross that white line, it's about going and winning football matches, and that's hopefully what we can do for now to the end of the season. I was going to say, um, in the live chat, uh, Gaz has just asked, he said, is it harder uh, to play in now, knowing your contract is up, and did you sign a short-term extension to take you through the the rest of the season? Well, I signed the short-term extension this morning before we played. Uh, we played Oxford in the friendly this this, this afternoon. Um, just just for the lads that never played at the weekend to get ninety minutes. So I signed that extension to the end of the end of the season because I feel that you know it's an opportunity to to play games still. Uh, put yourself in a shot window if 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 Red and don't need don't want you for next season. I'd, listen, there's no situation. We've not spoken anything yet. So it's it's just a matter of time to go and play and you know enjoy yourself getting back out in the pitch hopefully. So no, did you win no for me? Did yeah, you? we won two. We won two. One, I managed to nick a goal as well, so that helps. A little header. There you go. So header, um, header from the halfway line. <laughs> nah, <laughs> two, two yards. I was a poacher's goal. Hey, it's all right. But, uh, it's all right. Um, one thing, obviously, you said something earlier on about contract. Your contract's coming up, and you just said there about um, obviously you signed a short-term deal. Um, yeah. Was there any thoughts that you would not play this rest of the season? Because obviously, uh, Lyle Taylor, um, a couple of lads at Middlesbrough have said they're not going to do it. A couple of five lads at Hull. Um, so there's a lot of players who aren't playing for various reasons, contracts, um, fear, etc. So, um, was was there any part you what what, what was never going to play? No, never. I I always thought that when it happened and and speaking to people, my agent speaking to, you know, family, I wanted to play. Uh, there was always the I think everybody's situation different. Ryan Fraser, you can name. Lyle Taylor, name. They're going on to bigger and better clubs. Um, you know, they've got they've got moves lined up, so they've got an op- opportunity to, to to do something different. Why would you risk that new contract that you're going to get? I could see the point of view. Um, it's going to be life changing for for Lyle Taylor wherever wherever yeah, he yeah. goes. So uh, I see both sides of it. I see the club will be thinking, you know. Mm. Um, you don't know why you don't want to play, but then there's obviously clubs that are thinking, well, we can get rid of players. If you look at Joe Hart's situation, he's been told that he won't play for Burnley again, so he's gone. So it's, it's, yeah. no, it's I totally it's, agree. It's, there, was, there was a couple of lads from Bournemouth as well, a couple of lads at, you know, at Burnley again that that teams have seen it a way, a way of saving a little bit of money. Yeah, so, the season of contracts and stuff. Yeah, so it's it's it, it's it works both ways, but I, there was never any doubt. Um, I want to play games. There's plenty of games to play. Nine games. Put you in a shop window if nothing materialises, and and we'll see what happens. And that's how I, that's how I view it. Well, what about clubs, uh, can, uh, go on, say. I was just going to ask: Do the clubs uh, consult the players in terms of, you know, just like if they're comfortable with the the regulations or whatever is in place in regards to training and things like that? Is that like an that's ongoing in- thing? And in and, and what circumstances, and as in... Just with it, you know, with everything, like the pandemic and everything and, and training oh, and everything starting back up. Yeah, there's a protocol. There's obviously, there's um, the way you get looked after. Obviously, we get tested twice a week, Monday and a Thursday. We got tested before the game today. We drive into the training ground. The doctors come out. They, they give you the, 
take your temperature, they give you the swab, you do the swab, you hand it back, and then you go and train, and then you get the results within 24 hours. So it's it's been it's been great. It's flowed with us. We've been uh, I've had I've never felt any doubt or any worry. The club have always been up front with us and said this is what we want to do. And you know we um, no we we're just looking to to try and win a few games hopefully and push up the league. How about fear then going forward, Charlie? Because obviously an Arsenal player today has been. Um, um... Has got has got COVID nineteen tested positive. So you know, I mean, how do you feel going forward if a if a fellow Reading uh, player was tested positive? Well, well, we we've had positive tests, and that doesn't doesn't affect doesn't affect it, you mentally. No, it doesn't affect me mentally. No, it's no. Um, I, the, the the biggest thing for if anybody catches it is their well being. Make sure they're okay that they yeah. don't all of a sudden slip into a bad situation where. You know they're potentially hospitalised or anything. Like that. That's that's the worry. It's no, you know we are. It's um it's a strange one for us. Is it Arsenal? Is it the Arsenal? Is it the Arsenal that have been? Yeah, yeah. One yeah, so day, Yeah. It's it's strange because I think there's mm. got to be contact for 15 minutes. So it's what he's mm. been doing away from the game, you know. And for for instance, for me, I know that when I when I finish training, I get in my car, I go to go to my flat in Reading. I don't really go out i don't maybe go to to get some shopping and 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 things like that but i'll be in and out you know i don't i'm not around many people so for me to catch it would be very very i'd be very surprised so um Mm. it it is what it is but um you just got to respect each other um and do the right things and, and and make sure you're ready to go Great stuff. Uh, right, so before we move on uh, to uh, to your uh, so far unbelievable sex- successful career, Charlie, uh, we've been very fortunate, Sai, haven't we, um, that we've um, we've sorted a link out um, uh, a new sponsor. So exclusive news for all of you is we've um, we've made a link with um, Bespoke Finances uh, and Dan Roundstone in particular. Uh, Bespoke Financial is our new sponsor, the number one protection firm in the UK. The financial group specialises in life insurance, critical illness insurance, income protection, mortgages and sport cover. Um, so obviously, especially what's happening with COVID-19, I think it's a perfect time to get in touch because I've known um, the boys who, who run the company. I know Darren very well personally and I've had, uh, I've got, sorry, um, all, all of those various covers um, with the company. So I think it's so important that you, that you look after yourself um, outside of football, inside of football, outside of life uh, and things. I think it's so important. So I think the link that we've got as a, uh, as a show is a, is a very successful and hopefully a, a long-winded one as well, Sam. Indeed, Reg. Yeah, they, um, obviously they're you know, the, the, uh, the financial company up, uh, up by your way. And I know they're looking to, you know, to branch out into other cities around the UK. Um, and there's no better city than Cardiff, let me tell you. But uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've always got to slip that in. But um, yeah, you know, excited. Welcome them on board, and uh, it's just uh, it's good to keep growing, my friend. Um, okay, so let's talk. Uh, He's done a good job, Neil Harris. He, he, to be fair, I, 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 was very, I was very, I was very critical of him uh, at the start. I thought, not maybe uh-huh. not of him. I think of the, of the club. Um, I thought when Neil Neil Warnock left. I thought it was a very strange and a sideward step to bring him in. Bring him in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I thought I thought they, they were they were talking about um, Lee Boyer. They were talking about various other people who, who would have taken the club down a different route. And um, to be fair, I watched uh, Sunday and we did a 
Uh, we did a quick interview on uh, Sunday lunchtime just before the game and, and we spoke about the team, we spoke about the formation, we spoke about various things, what could happen possibly were going to happen and to be fair, he got his tactics spot on, he picked the right team, the right formation. Um, yes, Leeds were a threat because they've got full of, they're full of good players like you know Charlie who played against them and, uh, and they're, they're an excellent yeah. football inside but you know what I mean, Cardiff, you know what I mean, they've got an opportunity now, they've got a big game on Saturday against uh, Preston away um, and there's always a team who gets in the playoffs very late, and if it can be Cardiff City, I, I, I can see them going all the way, you know. Yeah, no, I think um, I just think that they, they've, they've not changed over the last few years in how they play. Right, they're not. It's not pretty football. It's efficient, you know. Yeah. It might, they don't they don't care about going back to front, but I'm talking about the points that he's got since he's come in. It's it's been incredible. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think so, I think a lot of, a lot of the fans were a little bit um, annoyed with the way that the club decided that they went down a similar route as Neil Warnock because. The brand of football under under um, Sunil Warnock wasn't wasn't great. You know, I mean, you played against his side before. I've watched them a lot of times, like like Sayas and all the Cardiff fans who follow us have, and it's not pretty to watch. You know, what I mean, when when you don't get the result you want, it's 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 pretty depressing. tedious and pretty yeah, pretty depressing. But when you win, it doesn't matter how you play. But um, I think Neil's Neil's scoring a lot more goals than Neil Warnock was. You know, what I mean, he's letting a lot more in, which if you're going to play a little bit more expansive and a little bit more attacking, that's going to happen. But I thought on Saturday, you know what I mean? I looked at the team and I, and I wasn't happy that Gratzel wasn't playing, but Gratzel came on, scored an absolute fantastic call and, you know what I mean, just just shut me up. So it was uh, it was nice and I just hope Cardiff can uh, can push on now because, uh, as I say, I've still got, I've still got uh, a place in my heart for them, you know what I mean? My, one, of my, one of my kids was, was born there while I played there, so it was, uh, it was lovely, lovely time for me in my life. Charlie, you mentioned uh, managers there. On the uh, on the championship show, me and Andy have raved uh, about the impact which Mark Bowen's had on the Red in team. Um, it's been really sensational. Um, what's he like to work under? Obviously, a, a Welshman, Welsh former Welsh international himself. You had to drop that in, didn't you? You had to drop that in. Yeah. yeah. No, I um, obviously I worked to him as a as Stoke um, as his num- as Mark Hughes' number two, so I knew what he was coming. Nothing's nothing's changed. It's never complicated. Uh, where a manager previous to tried to complicate everything, he wanted to play the right way and never worked. Um, you know, we're trying to play at the back and it was never on. But he he keeps it simple. He tries to listen. There's fundamentals in how we play: second balls. You know, pr- press the game, get after teams. Um, you know, turn, if you if you want to turn teams, be turning them. It's 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 doing the, the right things properly, but allowing our front players, once we get into their half, to go and express themselves, play with freedom and enjoyment, with a smile on your face. And, and I think that's what managers should do. You know what I mean? I think sometimes the managers come in, they overcomplicate things and they try and play out for the back. Look at, if you look at Norwich, for instance, you know, they won't, they try to play at the back every week and they keep getting caught. You know what I mean? And that yeah. comes through game gamesmanship mentality of the team. Yeah. At times you've got to go along and, and miss a press or whatever. So, no, he's um, he's done a good job. Um, our our biggest issue that we have is that is changing the mentality of the you know the team's been fighting relegation for a few years, so it's now coming to trying to get the players into the winning mentality of winning, trying to win every week and not just accepting a draw is good enough. It's um, it's about winning and getting promoted, and that's that's just, that's the plain facts, you know. Well, I watched. Uh, I watched the. I watched the game. Side start of the season. We we spoke about it quite um quite a lot on the on the championship show. It was a, a start of the season, Charlie. It was um Reading against Cardiff. You beat Cardiff, I think three one. 
and uh, Puskas scored. Uh, I think he scored two, and it was just. Yeah, oh, I was. It was. I was actually good. He was out of this world. I've never. You know what I mean? On his day, on that day, and he was unplayable, and Cardiff just couldn't live with him. And Cardiff were the all singing, all dancing, come down to the Premier League, and on the day it was like men against boys, and you know what I mean. And, and but the thing is, though, like you say there about mentality, sometimes it's easier playing against the teams who come down because they've got the big names, they've got the big expectations. It's when you need to to play against a lesser size that you've got to raise your game back again, and it sometimes players can't always do that. Yeah, and that's the that's the inconsistency we've had all season. You know, we we, we do well against the big teams. And I remember at Wales, we turned Cardiff over. We thought at the start of the season, you know, they'd come down for the Premier League and we and we done a job on them. Mm. But they regrouped. They, obviously, Neil Warnock yeah, left. Yeah. The mentality the mentality of their group, you know, Big Saul and, um, you know, uh, that, uh, what's his name, a pack in midfield, you know, they they good the good championship players, they know how to win games. Um and listen, you said before, there's always a team that come with a run and um, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it was Cardiff. No, I certainly certainly agree. Um, and just before we go into Charlie's career and uh starting, I'm just gonna do a couple of the live question uh, live chat questions just so we don't end up with a billion. There's um, one on there from uh, from one of my ex students, Ben Scalen. Okay. He is. Big big I'll, Charlie fan. I'll get to him now then. Um, so let's have a look what we got. Um, there was one. Oh, there he is. Uh, Jack Taylor asked to Charlie, "Is Gareth Bale the hardest player uh, that you ever played against?" Um, listen, Gareth Bale was a top player. Is a top player. Um, it, it, I never really I played against him one against one. I, I keep saying. I was fortunate enough to play against some of the greatest players they played in the Premier League and in in the Champions League, but you know I always keep going back to somebody like Scott Parker, who's old-fashioned midfielder, you know, aggressive, won't does not give you a minute on the ball, and I always found it tough playing against Scott Parker every every time I played. Um, so he's, he's underrated. He's underrated, Charlie, wasn't he, Scotty? Very underrated. Yeah, Scotty technically technically was good. You know, nick it, nick a goal, but he was like a rash. He was always, he was always behind you. He was always near you, mm. close to you. And the, um, nah, I, I, that was, he was the one that I thought, you know, was it going to be a tough afternoon every time I played against him? Um, he's surprised. He's he surprised. He's a manager now. Um, yeah, just I don't know. I just, listen. Some people don't. It doesn't it, it force your hand to it, do they? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're talking I, 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 I was surprised. I, I knew I've known Scotty most of my career. You know what I mean? I, I played yeah. uh, England, England with him, and when he was at Charlton, going back in his start of his career, and obviously West Ham yeah. and Chelsea, and he's had an unbelievable career, unbelievable career. Yeah. I, I didn't expect him to go in at the level he did. Um, you know what I mean? And, and to be fair, I think he's done a he's done a fine job. You know what I mean? I, I hope he doesn't blow up for him and it, and it affect him long term if he wants to be a manager. But you know what I mean? He's he's done all right so far. No, he has done those things. Listen, it's perfect job in it. Fulham yeah. on the King's Road, and so it's a it's a nice it's a nice place to play Fulham. Um, but there's always pressure because of the coming coming back from the Premier League and the salaries that they yeah. they paying the big numbers for Mitrovic and people like that care me. So yeah, a lot of pressure yeah. on them. But uh, yeah. no, he's done it. He's done a good job. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, another question, Charlie, was what team did you support growing up? That was from James Costley. Oh, I'm, I'm a, still am a Dundee supporter. I um, I, I supported Super them as a kid. Be happy. Yeah, that's my that's my local team, and um, just always supported them. Yeah. 
I couldn't believe when I when I went up to Scotland because uh, I came across you, Charlie, when um, when I went to Dunfermline. Um, you know, uh-huh. I didn't know a lot about Scottish football when uh, when I went up. You know, I'm mean, a little bit ignorant of me, obviously. Uh, but uh, obviously, how close the two grounds were, Dundee United and Dund- in Dundee. Obviously, in Dundee, it's just a, oh, unbelievable. You know that um, I. Um, uh, it's probably similar to Nottingham Forest, that you know what I mean, it's over the obviously over the river, but that was just it's just over a road. I just can't believe how yeah. we can have two football clubs that close together, uh, who obviously can be both successful as well, you know. Yeah, obviously Dundee, Dundee United have obviously got promoted this season from the cha- in championship back up to Premier League, and Dundee have um, are still in the championship. But when they play each other, the players walk from one stadium down to like if Dundee are playing at Dens, they walk down pre-match up the road, and then they walk to the to Tannadice down the street. Um, to to the other stadium, it's just it's bizarre, but you know the big thing is there's no hatred when the two of them play each other. It's uh, they actually both teams, will, you know, for ninety minutes they'll have a laugh and a joke and that. But if you go into a bar after the game, they'll all sat having a drink and enjoying it with each other, a bit of banter flying. It's you know it's a it's a good it's a good derby. It's nothing um, nothing too serious or you know anything like that. I think that probably that probably moves us on to your career then. So obviously we just spoke about a derby there that I don't think you get any more fierce than the derby that you started with then on in, in your first club and your do you know what I mean? It doesn't get any it doesn't get any bigger than that then. So tell me tell me what's it like to be um an all firm player before uh, and then obviously then playing in an all firm? I I um I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the pressure I you know the Rangers and Celtic, you just you have to be sensible what you're going to do, especially leaving up, lead, leading up to an off for a weekend. Yeah. Um, but even through the younger age groups, it was just we wanted to beat Celtic because it was your rivals. You know, 15s, 16s, under 18s. It was up, make sure you have to, you beat Celtic, and, and the buzz you got from winning the games were, were massive. Um, but to get an opportunity to actually play in an off for game at Celtic Park in front of 60,000, it's ah, oh, it's it's deafening. The atmosphere is incredible. It, you know the intensity of both game. The games are are electric, and um, no, I'm fortunate enough. Got a few wins, um, oh. and and now they're, they're great games. So anybody that gets an opportunity to go and watch one, I, I'd recommend. You know. But talk us through then, Charlie. Talk us through the, the the feeling you've got in the tunnel outside, outside the the, the changing room, Celtic Park, away from home, just about to walk out. Um, talk us through that because obviously I played at Celtic Park and and. I, you don't. It's not that. It's not that kind of feel. You know what I mean. You look. You look next to you. And you, you know what I mean. Back in the day when I played, it was Chris Sutton, Roy Keane, um, John Artson. You know what I mean. Alan Thompson, and you know what I mean. You're thinking, if we can keep this down to four or five, you know, we different mentality. You know, but you know, you're yeah. you're not wanting to look next door because you're thinking it's a war. You know what I mean. You're going out there and it's going to be an absolute hatred between one team and another. You know. Yeah. So just the the whole build up was is exciting. You obviously get to the ground and when you get off the bus at Celtic Park, there's there could be 2,000, 3,000 Celtic fans waiting for you getting off the bus and they give you dogs abuse, which is which is great. It's part of the, you know, the, the being a footballer and, you know, you go inside. But that whole, I think what's spoiled it now is taking away the supporters, you know, having only 800, 900 now. Yeah. Um, but when I was there, it was like, you used to get that whole back section and, you know, five and a half, six thousand 6,000 Rangers fans there. So you'd come out to warm up. And what we always used to do was um, obviously stood in the tunnel and, like you said, people like Thompson, Lennon, Petrov, you know, they, these players are besides you. And it was, um, listen, we we've, we wanted to win and um, we'll get some great games. 
But we used to always go when Celtic were um, doing the You'll Never Walk Alone or the Huddle. We used to go over to the Rangers fans and clap and make them wait. And, you know, it used to get them a bit upset. And, you know, you used to get under the skin a little bit. So it was um, things like that, little mind games that, that we used to do. And, you know, winning at Celtic Park was incredible. When you win at Celtic Park, you'd walk out to the bus and you'd be lucky if there was 30, 40 Celtic fans waiting for you because, you know, it was... Um, they, 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 they wouldn't like it, but it's yeah. um, no, it's an amazing game, and it's um, when you're a footballer, it's the these are the games that you miss, you know. How old mm. were you, uh, Charlie, when you played in your old uh, your first old oh, firm game? Maybe twenty, twenty one, maybe. It's quite young. Was it difficult to like deal with the the pressure of playing for Rangers when you're so young? Um, you know, and footballers get abuse at the best of times, don't they? But I would imagine like a Rangers-Celtic kind of rivalry is probably... No, I thrived on the pressure. I thrived at enjoying that type of pressure. Um, the big games, the big moments. Um, they, that's what, you, that's what you, you worked from when you were a young kid to to growing up, to, to getting an opportunity to go and play for, for, for Rangers. I had to go on a couple of loan spells, which were difficult for me. But I, I used the loan spells as... Um, a base where I can go and show my talents and hopefully, you know, Rangers was when you when you sign for Rangers, it's that's all you think about is Rangers, no matter what, it's you always want to be at Rangers. But it comes to a point where you have to make a sacrifice in your career that what's best for your career. And I had to do that when I left to go to Blackpool. Listen, I was heartbroken to leave to go to Blackpool, but you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I had a great time at Rangers, great upbringing and uh, full-time football um, and and that reward was you know playing 70 odd games for Rangers and it was it was brilliant you just said it there Charlie about uh, about loan moves and so um, how important are they you know I mean I had um, oh god I think I had about 20 to be fair in, in throughout my career but at the start when I was young um, I went on loan um, to Sheffield United under Steve Bruce I went uh, uh, Bolton Wanderers under Sam Allardyce you know what I mean and I learned and became a man very quickly you know what I mean because I didn't have a choice that you're playing against men regular week in week out and I, and I found that really helped me to go back to Middlesbrough to, to really understand what it what it means to play first team football week in week out well it's not that it's not it's not about the money but how I used it was when I went to like Ross County um, the lads were on big big money but what I realised quickly that you know, the, the win bonus meant a lot to them. Their appearance money meant a lot mm. to them because it was, you pay the mortgage or the cars. And, yeah. you know, I was, uh, they, they just made me f- grow up so quick. You know, yeah. it was, you know, um, and, 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 and like I say, you know the right characters. If, if a senior player has a go at you as a young lad, you know, you react in the right manner. And, you you know, I just see it now that, you know, some of these young kids, they just shrug shoulders and they don't even want to listen and learn from you because they think that you're having a go at them when really you're trying to help them. I just used that these lads were trying to help me progress my career. They knew that I had a talent. It was just trying to showcase that every week and showing that it, what it means to, to win games on a Saturday. And like you say, there is no better feeling on a Saturday when you win and you've played well and you know you, you can enjoy your Saturday night and mm. uh, or your Sunday. And the whole week is totally different from when you when you lose a game. You know, so it's um, I learned quick. That's all. That's all that's what good senior players do to you. They, mm. they, they, should, they should be able to help you and learn. You should be able to learn from them, and I did. You just said something interesting there, Charlie, about young lads, and you know what I mean? I, that's, some, that's my biggest bugbear at the minute, and I see a lot of, a lot of players in my area uh, in the North East that they get released by um, 
Premier League clubs, Championship clubs, and, and they fall down quite a long way down the pyramid in football and, uh, and feel sorry for themselves a little bit and they think people people owe them a favour. And You know what I mean? Sometimes you've just got to get back on that horse and, and, and keep working hard and get that opportunity back because... You know what I mean? It, it, there's a there's a reason why things don't work out. You know what I mean? Because clubs are carrying a lot of players and things. But I find sometimes with young lads, they, they take it for granted that they're at a, uh, they're a professional footballer or, or they're in a professional football club. And and unfortunately, you know what I mean? That the, the percentages what make it to the highest level uh, or get an opportunity is very minimal. No, uh, and I think the same that you when you get an opportunity to let's say, for instance, if you if you get released from Middlesbrough and you know, where do you go from there? You end up at maybe Hartlepool or somewhere like that. If, if, yeah, just, if you look at the minute, yeah. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, if it is, if that's the step back that you have to take, when you when you make that step back, make sure you apply yourself, I totally agree. you know, just yeah. as much as you did as if you were at Middlesbrough. Because you know what it's like to be there. So why do you not want to get the opportunity to go back there? And your performances at a, a Hartlepool will get you back there. If you go and, and you do it right, and just like you said before, I think the younger players nowadays, football owes them something. It's like they don't want to go and grab it by the, by the throat. They don't want to, you know, take the bull by the horns and just and, and grasp being a footballer. It's um, They think it's easy or they just think that, ah, yeah, it's all right. I've got another year in my contract. Well, sometimes you just need to take a step back to, to realise that, you know what I mean? Take a step back to go two steps forward. And no, I think it's... Um, the players nowadays are, are different from when we were younger. No, well, I totally agree there, and I've and I've said the same thing. I've had the same conversation with people similar age to myself, a little bit older. That um, I'm I'm respectful of what you said that um, the older players helped me through, dragged me through. You know what I mean? But it wasn't a guarantee. You know what I mean? I had to put the work in. You know what I mean? Nobody gave mm-hmm. me nothing, nothing for nothing. I had to put the effort in. If I didn't put the effort in, I was told on a daily basis, and I wasn't told nicely. By the way, I was told in no uncertain terms to to pull my finger out, you know what I mean? I was no one special, you know what I mean? I was a young lad, I was, I, I wore the shirt with pride, I, I, every shirt I did wear, but I, you know what I mean? I just think sometimes that things get lost in translation that, that kids, younger younger players, um, think that, that they deserve an opportunity and some players can, you said earlier on about 23s, under 23s, that they can go to 21, 22, 23 and, and have a handful of games where, you know what I mean? There's a level for everybody, I, I find, and I say, you know what I mean? That if they, can, they have to drop down five leagues to, to step back up in a couple in a couple of seasons, for me, you're playing more regular football, and it's going to have a, a longer effect on your football career than it is staying at the top level for three years and then all of a sudden never playing football again because it's it's heartbreaking when that's taken away from you. We look at Jonathan yeah. Green in, mate. Um, mm. we, we so sorry, Charlie. We just said uh, we talked to Jonathan Green in last week, and he was in that exact situation where he got to his early twenties. He was playing at Man United. They wanted to keep him, but he wanted to play week in, week out. And he left. You got to make a decision, um, and I kind of agree with you, mate. Um, that I think a lot of young players sometimes they don't want to drop down the leagues to get experience. Not all of them, because some do. Um, yeah. Sorry to jump in there, Charlie. That's all right. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. It's um, it's it's a, it's a worry because you look at now come this summer, there's going to be loads of players at a contract. So if you've got a contract, you, you, you're you going to be a lucky player to, to have a contract because this pandemic is going to, you know, crucify mm. football and uh, come the summer, you know? Yeah. That's about lower league as well, you know, that I, I, I know I was critical earlier on about uh, about the leagues not um, being similar all the way across, but I feel so sorry for 
um, for some of the players who, uh, who are going to be scraping around next season in League League One, League Two. You know what I mean, Conference side, and you know what I mean, and who need they need the bills paying. You know what I mean, the same as anybody else, and it's such a it's such an uncertain time for everybody. But you know what I mean. Hopefully that football can come together and and money can be found. If it's if that's filtered down from the Premier League, then I don't know. You know what I mean. Long uh, loads of conversations need to be need to be done. But hopefully football comes back and and teams can afford to put budgets back in so players can get paid. Yeah. Um, right. Moving forward, Charlie. So obviously European football has played a huge part in uh, in your career so far. Um, I read a. Uh, a great stat about uh, when you're at Rangers uh, about Champions League and about Stuttgart in particular that uh, obviously you scored your first Champions League goal against Stuttgart and then you scored again against them. So um, yeah. tell me about tell me about those two games. So I was the the thing for me when I was at Rangers that was more of a, I always used to play in the big games which was, was, was which was amazing but frustrating because we'd play you know Kilmarnock or a, a Dunfermline or a Motherwell and I wouldn't play. But if I was playing Aberdeen, Celtic, Hearts away, Hibs away, I'd be in the team playing because he knew that I could do a job and I was yeah. tactically, I was disciplined and, you know, I'd use my brain and, you know, things like that. So I'd play in the big games and then obviously the Champions League was, we qualified for the Champions League, which was massive. The music, we got Barcelona, Stuttgart and Lyon. And uh, we played Stuttgart at home. We it's quite were, an easy draw, uh, quite an easy draw, Charlie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was easy enough, but um, <laughs> but but by that time, the um, so we played Stuttgart at home, and I think we won two nil. Um, Alan Hutton, you know, former player, and um, yeah, he used to go the mazy run. He went in this mazy run and good play. And he's passed the ball to me on the on the on the edge of the box, and I've cut inside on my right side. I don't know why, cut him side, and I've just bent one in the in the in the corner past the goalkeeper, and I just you know, there's no better you know as a striker. There's no better feeling scoring a goal, is there? No. It doesn't matter if it's happened. It's no. you know, even even today, just scoring the header, I was buzzing just to score a goal. Yeah, that's, that's, you, 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 I used to celebrate. I used to celebrate like every goal was from the halfway line, mate. So I don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just the the buzz of scoring a goal is just it's it's amazing. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I scored the goal and um, that was that was incredible. And then obviously the away game, I was on the bench and um, somebody got injured. Um, and I come on the sub, and I said to the lads on the bench, Chris Boyd and that, um, I said I'm going to score here. It was to set corner kick. He said I'm going to come on here and score. And we always used to laugh and joke, you know, things like that. And I come on, the, just read the knockdown. I scored the goal, and it was um, yeah, we beat them away away in Stuttgart as well. It was it was great great games. Um, the Champions League is obviously the quality opposition and competition, but um, no, it was two two good goals. But then Europa League didn't do you too badly, did it? Because obviously you you, you went all the way to the final uh, with Rangers as well. Um, but obviously, obviously didn't uh, didn't work out in the final. Obviously, a lot of British teams have have, have got to the final and and, uh, and came across some good sides. But talk talk us about uh, talk us about the um, um, all the way through or, or some of the big games towards oh, the, up to the final. The, the Europa League was the 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 Euro, Cup was like, it was a great run for us. We. Um, I played away in Wolfsburg. We played in Wolfsburg at the time, um, and uh, the little uh, magician uh, Diego played a little uh, Brazilian midfielder. Yeah, he played for them. He, unbelievable, and they absolutely battered us in the second over in Germany. And Al McGregor had an unbelievable game. I mean, I think we nicked a one 0 there, and then um, I got injured um, in training. We were playing a little boxes in Rondo and. Um, 
I was um, training and Ali McCoy used to just try and wind me up and I just said to lads one day, I'm having him. I'm going to just, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to, I am going to have him. I'm going to take him out. And um, I went, I, w- I went to jump in for a tackle with him and done him and end up doing my knee and popped my knee. And I missed, I missed all the games away in um, Fiorentina and things like that. I was there obviously for the game because I was, I was yeah, yeah. Um, coming back from injury, but Luckily for me, I'd been out a bit, and I, I was on the bench for the final against Zenit, and they were what a team they had at, at that time. You know, they were they were brilliant. Arshav and Timashuk, uh, Fernando Rixon, they were they were a top side, top Russian team, and um, you now they they beat us fair and square on the night. Uh, Charlie, who do you think who was the most underrated player you played with at uh, Rangers? Underrated. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the players there at the time, you know, end up having good careers. Um, you know, I was lucky, fortunate enough. Somebody like Pedro Mendes, I played with him. He was just he was phenomenal. So Barry Ferguson was a top player. Um, you know, David Weir coming at thirty six or something like that and coming. He's top, only going to sign for a season. Top player. Only going to sign for a season. End up saying for about four or five. He was a top professional. Steve Davis was there at the time. Brilliant player, like you know. And I wanted a great career. Chris Boyd just scored goals. That's why he was bothered about talking about strikers. Mm. No link up play, not interested in anything else. Just put the ball in the box for him and he'll score a goal. That's how you state me. Just put the ball in the box and I'll score a goal. And that's what he'd done. And now nah, it was, um, I was fortunate enough. I played with some great players over the years at Rangers, the De Boers and, and things like that. They were, it was amazing. But for, if I had a personal favourite shot, Avaladji was my favourite player of all time. He just—he was a top guy, um, and you know, played for Ajax. The, the ability he had was was amazing, you know. And he used to look after it as well. Chris Boyd, Chris, <laughs> Boyd, Chris, Chris Boyd was forever linked with Cardiff for a movie. He was like yeah, every was, yeah. transfer window. Chris Boyd's yeah. going to Cardiff. I think yeah, it was it was, it, it was either him or Stevie Thompson, wasn't it? And obviously Stevie yeah. Thompson's side just as just as I left. So you know, what I mean, uh-huh. I think Chris was Chris was Chris was going to go there. But I think it was. Um, a toss-up between the two, but yes, Davy Thompson went instead. Indeed. Uh, you, you said earlier on, Charlie, about um, about being disappointed um, and heartbroken. I think you used the word mm. about leaving leaving Rangers. Obviously, you left to go on loan at Blackpool. Yeah. Um, so tell us how that came about, because obviously, you know, what I mean, I've been in a similar boat. That you leave a club that you that you love playing for. You know what I mean? And yeah, and and you and you go somewhere, um, and sometimes you you don't think it's it's going to be what it is, but then all of a sudden it turns into a fairy tale and. And and your life's so different Changes. because of the move, but yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. The, the, the thing is, I had like Alex McLeish, he got rid of me at Rangers. He gave him a Rangers debut. He got rid of me, uh, and he gave him a Scotland debut. So it was listen. It was it was tough, um, but I just it just got to a point where I wasn't playing regular enough. They bought a few midfielders: Steve Davis, Kevin Thompson. Uh, people like that, and I, I knew I wasn't going to play. And the club turned around and said, "Listen, we you can go for half a million pounds." Uh, no, sorry, the loan deal what was happened was it just came out of the blue. I got a, said, "Listen, Blackpool want to take you," and I called my dad, and my mum, and said, "Listen, Blackpool want to be want me to go there on loan." It was listen. I was thinking, Blackpool, I don't want to go there for. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I hadn't been. I never been to an English club. I'd only been to St. Man. 
in Ross County and enjoyed playing every week. And I thought, Do you know what, I'm going to have a go. There was a few Scottish lads there at the time. I went down, loved it. Um, played for six months, got sent off my first game. Um, the fans took to me. We, we just scraped relegation. I went back up to Rangers. Obviously, they, you know, at that time, Blackpool would never buy in any players. We got told it was going to be half a million pounds. And so we felt it was going to talk to to my agent at the time, just saying, I think it might be too much. They, I don't think they could afford it. Um, and I was probably, I was close to going to Preston. They wanted they they, they wanted me and they could only pay 400,000 for me. So luckily for me that just out of the blue one day, I'd you know, all the way on the phone and, you know, um, they said, listen, we're going to buy, we're going to take that 500 grand, we're going to pay it. Um, and they paid it and... Um, no, I was desperate to come back, and like I said, the rest was history. I just I went there and I just I fell in love with the place, and you know obviously I live the I still live in the area now, and I love I, I love it here, I love living here, and um, it it was a great move for me at the time. Do you think Cardiff um, hats? <laughs> we'll go we'll go on about that soon. Um, do you think a lot um, a lot of Scottish players move to English football for? Um, for the right reasons to obviously enhance their careers, and do you think a lot more are going to follow suit as well, Charlie? Because it's a place to play football. I think it's a good market. I think there's a, I think there's good players in Scotland that you can get cheap if you want to buy players. Listen, you, the Scottish players will come with the right mentality. If you know, it's, mm-hmm. if it's a toss up between a, a foreign player or a British or a Scottish player, you you might side with that Scottish player because you know the mentality is going to come in. He'll know. What it means to play in England, uh, you know, to win, to you know, the the tempo of the game. You know, we're, we're not blessed with multiple of talented players as in technical ability, but the one thing you get with Scottish players is they work hard. You know, they're good in the dressing room um, and things like that. So I think a lot of, a lot of clubs in England now will look at Scotland and think there's good value there. Um, and I think over the years we've we've come down and and we've done well enough to. To, to do that, you know what I mean for for relative relatively cheap money, um. So hopefully that, that can continue. And I think listen, everybody wants to come and play in England. If there's an opportunity they can, then then I think they would. Uh, so you obviously mentioned uh, obviously the, the the transfer fee was agreed, uh, five hundred thousand uh, pounds, which is obviously a, a huge deal for um, for Blackpool and a big push for them. So obviously they they realised at the time that you know what I mean you were uh, obviously a a big player in order for them to bring in, and obviously it it paid dividends, didn't it? Because obviously, the, obviously the highlight of your well, obviously before before going to the Premier League was uh, the playoffs and probably starting the semi final against Nottingham Forest. Obviously, a, you know, what I mean, a, a massive game between um, well, one of the one of the greats of English football. You know, what I mean? Nottingham Forest. You know, what I mean, you, you went into the game yeah, as underdogs. Yeah. I remember watching both games on live on Sky and. And you know, what I mean, goals for fun in the in the in the in the in the two legs overall, and and I, I didn't fancy Blackpool to win at all, but then they always came back to um, to show you know, what I mean, show that they, that they were a good side, and you always had the players, the uh, Gary Taylor Fletchers, and and yourself, and you know, what I mean, you just score goals for fun. Yeah, we did, and and Ollie, Ollie obviously was instrumental in that. He'd seen obviously been at the game for a bit. He obviously went to watch uh, Swansea. I know how they played, the way he wanted to play it for the back, and and you know the way they, they played such good football, and he he felt that I was going to be a massive part in that that the the Blackpool team and how he was going to build it. So when he called me, he said, "I'm going to build the team around you. I need you just to do what you've done before. We'll get good players around you, um, and come and play, and I'll get you to the Premier League." And I just thought it was you know you half listen and you think yeah okay, but yeah. going back to the games, 
there was a little bit of mind games with Billy Davis, you know, um, and in our home game, um, he come in shouting in the tunnel and all that that before the game, and 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 it got to us. We 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 sort of you know we beat them twice that season, um, so we had the edge over them. We felt that we were good enough, um, and obviously Billy said a few things before the game in the tunnel at, at our place, and 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 we got we got a backs up and. We fell behind to a, a great goal from Chris Cohen, but we responded, which we normally did over the mm. season. We we come back and Keith Southern had scored a goal, fluke of a goal, and then I obviously scored a penalty to make it two one. We knew that we could score goals. It was just a matter of you know Nottingham Forest were, had a great record at home. We went there on the night, um, and ah, we we played some of the stuff we played was unbelievable, and the result we got was great as well. So. It was, a, it was a great night um, and we enjoyed it after it as well so it was, it was good I bet you did yeah, there's, not, there's not, not a better feeling knowing you're going to a playoff final um, I think this is the time si, isn't it when you go to the toilet or go and make a cup of tea and all the Cardiff fans go, 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 and, have yeah. a, go and have a couple of minutes off innit yeah uh, uh, my stream's Charlie, breaking up playoff final um, I've watched yeah. I've watched the game uh, a few times i watched your goal about 15 times today never mind um, I've watched it from different angles with the the, the to score in a playoff final, you know what I mean, is 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 one thing. But to score a goal like that in 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 circumstances like that is just something else, eh? The pressure was there, and um, there's, a, there's there is a story to the free kick. Um, you know, obviously, I'd like to special mention to Peter Whittingham, Obviously, sadly, passed away recently, um, and it was between me and him for the, the top goal scorer. He was twenty five goals. I was on nineteen or something like that, and. Um, that season, he was flying, hitting free kicks, scoring goals for fun, uh, massive talent. He was the best player. Him and McPhail were the two best players. They, you know, they were a big worry for us. Yeah. And we um, we were training at Watford before the game, and um, obviously go through the set plays before the game. And we were worried about Peter Whittingham just set. So we we set up a free kick. Um, talk about Peter Whittingham, like you know, he could score a goal like that. And um, I just walked over. The, the, the wall was set up, uh, and I walked over to the, the after the training. And just just walked up to the ball, whipped it. It was the exact same identical position as it was at Wembley, and I whipped this one um, in the top corner. And I just walked off the pitch and just said to the manager as and shouted to the lads, "You don't need to worry about Peter Whittingham. Big players turn up at the big moments, and that's what I'll do." And I just walked off, walked straight on the bus, never said anything. And the lads come on the bus after training, just clapping, like, just as if, like, shocked. Like, it was like, wow, what had happened? And then the next day, and a little secret I go into my into my before games, how I play the game, is that I visualise things in, in my head before the games, night before a game, if I think something's going to happen in the game, uh, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to pass it? Where am I going to run? Things like that. I just... I've always done it my whole career and, and, and that moment was there and I just fortunate enough I had that moment again at Wembley in front of 80,000 people and, and it stood me in good stead and um, I managed to put it in the top corner and got us into the, back into the game. How did, how did you feel, Si, when, uh, when that ball hit the net? <laughs> I, um, I was crying, mate. <laughs> um, interesting, Jack there says, um, Chopra, Bothroyd, who had an England cap, McPhail, Whittenham, etc. Was that was that Cardiff side the best championship side never to go up? Because they had uh, an incredible squad. Ch- oh, they had a great squad, didn't they? You know, Chopra, 
defensively, I had McNaughton, Hudson, um, left back was Kennedy. Kennedy, Kennedy yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, Mark Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. Ma- Ma- Marshall and goals, Mc- McPhail, Whittingham. Um, who else was it? Uh, Chopra, Bothroyd, Chopra. Chopra. Um, yeah. Ross McCormick. Ross McCormick. But the big, thing, the big thing for us was um, what, what, how we felt that, how, how we, the plan for us was that Cardiff were going to play 4 4 2. Whittingham would probably tuck in a little bit. And we knew that if we can get past McF- um, Chopra and Bothroyd, we knew they were never going to chase back. So as soon as our centre half stepped in, we had an overload straight away. Because we knew that they two wouldn't drop in and, and track back. The big thing for us, Chop Bothroy went off early, which was was massive for us. And um, yeah. I think he was a fire brought, as well, wasn't he? he? He was. He was a big player for them. Um, and they brought on Kelvin too. Who was it? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, yeah. So, so they brought him on. So there was a big difference to them. And then we started to get control of the game and. Once, listen. Once we scored the goals, we reacted that way. Chopper scored a great goal, uh, and then um, who who else scored the goal? The other so goal you had, was um, the goals were scored by Chopper and Joe Ledley. Joe and, Ledley, uh, yeah, I forgot Joe Ledley as well. So, the, you know, we bounced back twice. Uh, my free kick, and then obviously uh, Fletch scored, and then Brett scored that goal three-two. And second half. I think Cardiff had an opportunity to hit the bar chopper again and then after they hit the bar we dominated the second half really and we've seen it out well so it was a massive moment for us uh, as a club like Blackpool that you know we were tipped to get relegated and to 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 go there and to win in, uh, at Wembley was amazing. Um, we, better, we better move, we better move on Sai, because just, uh, say, just, yeah. just because there's too many there's too many people getting upset in the group <laughs> are you? I know, I know. Um Charlie obviously people uh, who were maybe don't support the teams that you play for. Obviously, you're yeah. probably most well known for that goal you scored for Chelsea. But uh, I understand that wasn't the first time you've scored from halfway. Yeah. Um, you did it in a one of your, I think it was a reserve game, was it for Blackpool? Like your first game or second game? Well, because like you say, going back to when I when I don't play, because I was suspended, I got sent off after for three games. We there was a reserve game against Accrington at Accrington. And I wanted to play in the game because I hadn't played for a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, I, I chipped the goalie for about 50 yards. But I'd actually scored one better than that Standard. for St Mun. When I was on loan oh, okay. at St Mun, no, sorry, I was on loan at Ross County. I scored a similar goal uh, against um, St Mun. Um, so it was. Uh, so how no, many was... times? How many times have you done it in a you know like in a, in a game? I think three, three, three now. Just how many times. times? How many times have you tried it, Charlie? Oh, three, three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and and every every time every time it doesn't it doesn't work out. Does the goalkeeper kick the ball as far as he as far away as he can just to just to get uh, any nerves? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or a shanker, or I just just don't yeah. lift my head up. You know what I mean? Because I know that I'm get I'm gonna get do- I'm gonna get dogs abuse from my teammates. But yeah. um, nah, listen, I was just fortunate enough it. That, that moment it happened and um, against one of the best goalkeepers in the world and you know Chelsea were a top team at that time as well so it was uh, that was a great moment yeah well what going on to that summer time? like yeah. sorry yeah and I just no, wanted to right. know what that summer was like obviously Blackpool going to the Premier League was a hell of a story and you know they did pretty well particularly in the early early part of that Premier League season but what was that summer like the build up to 
you know, to coming into the Premier League with a with a club the size of Blackpool? It was it was uh, shambolic, really, because we we had no training ground. We never knew what was going on. We, you know, we were still washing our own kit, and ah, it was just, you know, off the pitch at Blackpool was it wasn't great, but we made it what it was. We enjoyed it. We we embraced it. Uh, we made it into a, a laugh and a joke and a culture that everybody had to buy into. Everybody bought into it, and it was great. We just the biggest problem we had was trying to get the right players in. Do you know what I mean? When you the big thing when a worry is for a club like Blackpool when they come into the Premier League is they think you need to sign you know, 20 players in the window. When you don't really, you need to just bring quality in instead of quantity. We brought too much quantity in. Um, we had an overload of players. But um, no, it's it was a great summer. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, knowing that you're going to be a Premier League player the following season and in a great way to... But like even the, the pre-season for the Premier League was was terrible. We, went, we ended up in Devon for a pre-season tour. Like it was... Rubbish, you know what I mean. But that's that was the way it was, and um, now we got on with it. And um, now we 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 um, we beat Wigan four 0 in the first day, and then the second game we got beat six 0 at Arsenal. So we were brought down to earth quite quickly. <laughs> uh, so what? So obviously, obviously ended in uh, ended in heartache and a bit of heartbreak for yourself, Charlie. Obviously uh, getting relegated and things. And uh, but so how how was your overall experience though in the in the Premier League? Did you did you enjoy it? Was it a fairy tale? Was it everything you thought it would be? Oh, I loved it. Loved it. I felt, I felt that pressure. I felt like you know, I always had the captain's armband. I felt that I had the onus to go and produce every week. That I, I was the one that I felt that everybody had to look up to. That I was the inspiration to to, to help the team. And I scored fourteen goals, and I think I got seven or eight assists that season as well in the yeah. championship and the Premier League. So, yeah. Um, no, I embraced it. I was fortunate enough. Um, but I had good pe- good players and good people around me as well. That's that's half the battle. It's not about me, just only about me. There was there was other good players in the team as well, and yeah. you know, I think losing a goalkeeper through injury away at West Ham was was difficult for us, and that set the tone. For really, we had twenty five points after about eighteen games, and we were flying. We, we we lost a couple of key players, and we never recovered from that. So it was obviously a disappointment um, from that, but. You know, I was fortunate enough. I ended up getting a, an amazing move to Liverpool on the back of it. Well, you just took the word out of uh, out of our mouth. So obviously, you impressed um, a club in particular. Uh, Liverpool had um, a couple of bids rejected before. Obviously, they got the uh, they got the one accepted for you, and obviously, you moved to uh, to Anfield, which is obviously a, a dream move for everybody but Si, I think, um, and all the Man United fans. But tell me, tell me. Um, tell me like about Liverpool, you know what I mean? Because every, every kid's dream to play at Anfield in front of the cop and you know what I mean? And, and, and the history all goes with playing for Liverpool. Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough that we, we obviously we beat them twice that season, Liverpool, uh, in the Premier League. Uh, we went to Anfield, we won 2-1 and I scored a penalty. And um, it's just when the crowd, the cop are up singing, you know, the, you're singing You'll Never Walk Alone and, you know, the, the players... You know all the the banners and the mosaics and all that. It, it makes you know you get a shiver. And um, I was just fortunate enough that I embraced it when I went there to play with Blackpool Liverpool. I stood there and I watched the the cop and I just thought, wow, it's incredible. And um, and when I got that move, it was just I, I embraced it. I, you know, I ended up playing 35, 37 games or something like that. And 
you know, people will never take that away from me. I was, I'm, no. I always tell people I'm one of the lucky ones that managed to get a, an opportunity to play for Liverpool Football Club, and you know, you can never take that away. And it's um, that was a great feeling. You played with some unbelievable players, um, you know, Gerard Suarez and many others. What was it like to, um, you know, with no disrespect to Blackpool in any way, but like to go from playing for Blackpool to then playing against, you know, Steven Gerrard, uh, playing with Steven Gerrard, Luis Suarez in a stadium like Anfield? That must have been quite a difference. I know you had the experience of Ibrox, obviously, but... Yeah, I, I, like you said, I used that. Rangers are a big club, so I had that experience of a big club. Um, I'd only, obviously, seen... Liverpool on the telly, um, you know, your Gerrard's, Carragher's, Suarez, people like that. Um, and when I when I went into the dressing room, I was, listen, I was I was nervous, which which with everybody, I was overawed a little bit with, with the players that were in there. But, you know, once you get playing and you get in the rhythm of playing with them, it's it, it's just a day-to-day pleasure to be in there. Do you know what I mean? It's, it was just an amazing feeling. And I was lucky that I... Um, the lads at Blackpool were they were buzzing for me when I got the move. Do you know what I mean? It was like they were never off the phone asking what it was like. Mm-hmm. You know the, what are the lads like, and it was, you know, we're still we're in a group chat now. The lads from the Blackpool team, so it's 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 good that you know they they were they were buzzing for me to get that move. And when I walked in that signed that contract, it was it was life changing on and off the pitch. You know what I mean? It was just it was brilliant, and um, you know it was a it was a great club, and I was just. Unlucky, unfortunate. It was only for a year, but you know, you make decisions in your career that you feel that's that's right for that. And I had to make that decision when 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 Stoke come to to sign me. You know, so obviously moving to Stoke, Charlie. Obviously it was a it was a Premier League move again. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So tell us tell us the thought process behind it. Was it was it driven by um, the manager? Was it driven by yourself that you that you saw it as an opportunity to play more football, regular football? I had a chat with Brendan, um, and he told me that Liverpool needed the money to sit to to sell me. And but I listen, I was clued in. I knew that I was never going to play. And you know, obviously at that time they were trying to get rid of Henderson as well for swap deal for Clint Dempsey, and Jordan refused it. And I obviously knew that I wasn't going to play. And I felt, do you know what? I want to play. Um, I hadn't even spoke to Stoke. I just got my agent just told me that. You know, Stoke want you. It was a bid, and this was, you know, this was it. So I went to the training ground, signed the contract, spoke to the manager, um, uh, and that was it. Uh, it was, in hindsight, it was it was great. I loved it. Seven years there it was it was a brilliant time. First six months was obviously difficult because, you know, after after being there three months, I lost my dad, um, which was tough for me, and. Um, yeah, I just the manager sort of, you know, sort of bombed me out a little bit when that happened, and mm. you know, told me that um, in the January window, said, "Listen, we don't think it's worth it for for us as a club and you as a, as a player. So it'd be best if you moved on and blah, blah blah." So the only thing that saved me from leaving there was that I'd played for Liverpool in the Europa League against Hearts, so you can't play for three clubs in the one season. So I was stuck there anyway to the to the summer. Right. So I, um, I obviously seen it out, and then I, you know, played a few games at the end of the season, and then Mark Hughes come in and everything changed, and it was a um, clean slate, and uh, you know, I ended up staying there for another six six years, I think it was, or seven years. 
Um, I seen um, obviously a, a, a lovely story. Uh, obviously, obviously, really sad that your dad passed away, and obviously the club uh, give you a bit of time off. Uh, but then obviously you came back and you scored a goal and dedicated for your dad. So how did that feel? Because obviously that must have been um, so special. Obviously, I seen you. Um, you saw some media. Um, on Father's Day, obviously, you know what I mean. Tough time again, so yeah. um, you know what I mean. It must have been a nice to to dedicate something to him, something so special to you. Yeah, because he was a huge influence in my career. Like I was fortunate enough, he was when I was younger, he was on me hard, and you know he pushed me into to being a player. But he was a player himself, and he never wanted me to make the same mistakes he did. And I was just, you know, I was driven by his his you know failures really. Um, and I, um, I, I just felt it was right, and you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been in that position or in that career I've had through through what he done for me and, and helped me through that. So, listen, at the time, it was, yeah, it was tough, and you know, obviously, when an anniversary or a Father's Day has come round or a birthday, it is tough. But you know, you you get to learn to adapt to it and 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 get used to it. The problem now is you've got young kids that are asking about how it yeah. happened and and what happened. So it's tough, but. Um, no, it's yeah. I'm, I'm just fortunate enough that he was he was in my life for for a, for a long time, and you know I, I've had a good career, and and he was a major part of it. I'd be very proud, mate. I tell you, I'd be very proud of what yeah. you've achieved, mate. Spot on, mate. Spot on. Um, so just before we kind of move on to Stoke, Charlie, I wanted to ask you. Obviously, you stayed with the Liverpool for a year. You played sort of 38 games, which, as you said, no one could take that away from you. Uh, massive yeah. club, but in terms of uh, like the length of your stay there and, and the amount of maybe games you played, in the, with the benefit of hindsight, would you have picked a different club or would you have still gone with Liverpool because of the size of the club and the experience that you've got? No, I, listen, I don't regret one moment going to Liverpool. Loved every minute of it. The only thing is, you know, could I have been a bit of different mentality and thinking, do you know what, I might set a certain something might happen in the season, an injury, or all of a sudden you're going to be, you might be back in. But when you've got that inside you that you want to play every week and you don't want to sit in the stand and you feel, you, you know, you know, you're picking up good money and I just, I felt that I had to earn that. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's what I've always been like through my career. It's, you know, if, I, if I'm not playing and there's an opportunity for me to go and play somewhere else where I'm, I'm going to play and I'm going to be a main player in that team, or I'm I'm going to be getting an opportunity to help that team progress. Then I, I'm definitely one for taking up on it. Um, I'm not here to just sit and take money because it's not it's not right. You know the career is. You know you can look back and say, oh yeah, I played 200 games, or you can look back and say, yeah, but I played 600 games. You know what I mean? And that's the decision you're making. And I had to make that as a football decision, and I made that the right decision because I ended up at Stoke for seven years, and it was a it's a great club. I think it's a breath of fresh air, Charlie, listening to that, you know, because I think a lot of, you know, I, I re- keep referring back to young people and, um, you know what I mean, and, and I know there's a lot of footballers who, who watch this and, you know what I mean, they need to listen to that advice because the football career is so short and if you're sat on the bench and, you know what I mean, you think it's a laugh and a joke, you know what I mean, go and play some football, go and make a name for yourself, you know what I mean, it's not about celebrating someone else's, um, so, someone else's good work and someone else's... Um, played well and won a game and, and, and getting their accolades. You know what I mean? Go make a name for yourself. It's not about sometimes winning and losing. It's about making a name for yourself and playing well and, and putting your name out there in the shop window. And you know, I'm always a big advocate, mate. If, you play, if you're playing well and you're playing games, money's going to follow anyway. So, you know what I mean? It's about yeah. playing football and regular football and, 
uh, and playing as long as you possibly can and dragging your career out as long as you possibly can. And the only way of doing that is by playing games because you can get really comfortable sat on your backside um, and it can be it can be the worst thing um, in your career because people and other managers, scouts, fans sometimes think, oh, he's not bothered about playing, he's happy sitting on the bench and you don't want that kind of but, reputation, unfortunately. I, I'm half like that now at, at 34 years of age. You, could, you, know, you probably know when you're not going to play at the weekend but you don't really... You don't accept it until you get told the team. But I still get that disappointment in myself that I'm not playing, even though you know I know that I'm not going to play 46 games in the championship. But you know I still get that disappointment on a Friday night. I'm sat at home thinking, right, I'm absolutely gutted I'm not playing tomorrow. But what I do is when I get back in the next day, I don't have that hangover of I'm walking around or I'm... I'm not bothered. There's more important things. The whole team's important than that. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, I totally agree. You get, totally agree. You, get over, you get over that disappointment. It's. Um, well, I think you've shown and, that, Charlie. I think I think you've shown that with playing games. You're you're playing more than um, than a lad did who started on Saturday. So a lad starts on Saturday, plays 60, 70 minutes. You came on on Saturday, um, and then you played again today. So you're in a week. You're playing more minutes than somebody who started a game on Saturday. So it shows that you're. You're wanting to improve. You're wanting to keep on ticking over, improve your fitness levels, improving your match sharpness to to stay, to move, to to do whatever. You know, it's 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 yeah. professionalism at its at its finest. And uh, I think a lot of young people and all older players, I think, uh, should be listening and watching and and taking note because it's uh, it's it's a skill in itself. Um, right, uh, moving moving on. Um, obviously, Stoke ended up getting relegated, Charlie, towards towards the end before you left. Um, Obviously, Gary Rowett took over. Um, yeah. Obviously, things didn't work out. Um, obviously, the way that Eula wanted, and obviously you moved on. No. Things didn't work out for Gary uh, either, you know. So, um, talk us about um, about what it was like playing under him. Because obviously, he came with a, a bit of a reputation. It was a step up for him. Um, he'd mm. obviously done a, a decent job uh, in his previous do- previous job, and obviously got a got a big job in taking over the stock. Yeah, he come in. Um, you know, I just felt that. Obviously, he'd done a good job where he'd been and he'd come in there and we had a few senior players. Um, not sure if he, he, he enjoyed the senior players, really. Didn't want to use them as well as he probably could have. Um, and, you know, I trained for 10 days, never spoke to him and then I went in his office and I said, listen, what's happening? He said, you ain't going to play. He said, find sell a club. I went, I'm not going anywhere. I said, I'm, this was my point now. I ain't going anywhere. I say the players you signed are not good enough. That I know I'm better than what you've signed. And he, he never took never took to that. He didn't he didn't accept that. Um, so we had a few few not run-ins, but we had a few chats um, where he you know he put me over with the twenty threes for a bit um, because I wasn't I didn't accept that I felt I was good enough to play in his team. But obviously he'd spent thirty million quid uh, on players. And he obviously wanted to do it his way. He obviously felt that the team that got relegated, he felt that he wanted to get pushed. You know, he kept a few senior players around the group, but myself and others, you know, we were over with the 23s at times. And and then I got told that I wasn't allowed to tackle in training. Um, and I just knew I was just, I would say, was close to, to, you know, coming to a mutual agreement. And, and it just never, it never happened. I, um, you know, I just it was it was difficult. You know, that was the only time. This probably the only time in my career I dug my heels in, because I knew that I I still had a lot to offer and I felt strongly about it. 
still felt that I was good enough to, to get in that team. Uh, I never. Um, and then, you know, obviously Nathan Jones come in and we um, we drew, we won the first game, drew the second game, and then he he left me out again. So it was uh, it was tough. It was tough, and it was sad the way it ended for me. It was, it was still because I loved the club. You know, um, you know, it's 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 a, it's a club that's that's grown to me, and my my kids and my family loved it as well. But you know, that's football. We all know yes. that we're all big and brave. You make managers have got to make their own decisions. You they've got to bring their own players in, um, and you know we, we all move on from it. Charlie, can I ask you there, mate? Sorry, just the something you said about the they he asked you not to tackle in training. Um, yeah. What like what was the reason behind that? I I don't know. I just listen. I'm competitive, um, mm. but he knew that you know I would probably go around you no know, playing in the wrong way and you know maybe leaving something on somebody. Yeah, they're taking the position. Charlie, had he had he seen, seen you tackle on Ali McCoist? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I'm competitive, and I what how I feel now is that even at my age now, you know, I ain't just going to allow somebody to accept taking my jersey on a Saturday. I'm going to be up there competitive. I'm going to be at it. Had a few run-ins with a few players um, over it, um, um, and if they didn't like it, they didn't like it. That was tough, but um, you know, I, they've got my jersey. I want it out. I want to play. I feel that I'm good enough. I just never got the opportunity to do that. Um, and that's football. You know, you just, you have to sometimes realise that it is not going to work with, with the managers that you are. And, you know, you move on from it. And um, it's, it ended sadly because the results weren't right. Obviously, Charlie, you moved to you moved to Reading. We're not going to spend a lot of time on Reading because I don't, I don't think it's fair to uh, to talk about, obviously, a, a current club and, uh, and a club, obviously, you're still playing for. So, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. played, we played at the weekend. Uh, you played against obviously you played against Stoke City, which obviously time yeah. is everything. Time is everything in this game. Um, you uh, you playing against uh, Derby next weekend? We played Derby Saturday, Brentford Tuesday. So two tough games. Two very tough games. Obviously Derby for me are the well since it's the Wayne Rooney factor. So tell us what your thoughts are about Derby at the weekend. Yeah, Derby. Are, let's say it's you know Wayne Wayne's obviously gone there. He's a been a top player. Still is a top player. He's. Um, He's a key player for them, and you know Lawrence is a good player as well. So no, we uh, we beat them earlier in the season. Um, so it'll be a tough game up at Derby. Obviously, no crowd, which it's it, for me. I think it's it, it makes the game even. So we we'll go there confident to win the game. We we we'll have a strategy come come Thursday how how we want to play, and um, yeah, we'll be ready to play. And then another tough game against Brentford, who I think are, are one of the best passing teams in the league, and. The movement they can cause you and the problems they can it's it'll be a very difficult game but you know we're at home with we'd expect to beat anybody at home really you said there charlie to finish just to finish up before we get some questions from uh, from all our wonderful viewers and listeners um you said about being a leveler um uh, so is that what do you believe that you that now with obviously no crowd that you're going obviously to pride park which i wouldn't say it's a hostile place to play but it's always a decent place to play a good atmosphere uh, it's always pretty fun yeah. Yeah, I think I think any away ground, it's um, you know you're at a disadvantage. Um, obviously, we don't know how we're going to go when we go there. It's um, what the dressing room's going to be like, where we're getting changed yet, or what's going to happen. It's going to be a totally different scenario for us. But no crowd. It's you know live via living. We we feel that we've got players that can go and hurt them in our front forward areas. Um, and I think on our day, then yeah, we definitely believe we've got a chance of winning. Hundred percent. 
Yeah, um, I was gonna I've completely gone. I was gonna ask something and it's just completely, completely gone out of my mind. Oh, um, so if we could just finish off, um, Charlie, I just was gonna kind of give you some of the questions which we've had throughout yeah. the show. Um, one of them was, who do you think uh, is going to win the championship, and who do you think is going to go down? Um, obviously, like understand if you don't particularly want to understand. Uh, understand if you don't particularly want to sort of name clubs which you think are going to go down. But who do you think will win the league? Um, I think apart, West apart from Brom will Cardiff, win the, obviously. I think I think West Brom will win the league. I think Leeds yeah. will go second, and I think that I think it could be Brentford's year. Yeah. I, I hope so, you know, that. Charlie. You know, yeah, yeah, I do just for the Just for the way that they play. And also, I think uh, for, for their manager, for the football club, the way that they move a new stadium, I think if they don't go up, I think a lot of their players will, 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 will move the yeah, move away. I think this will be it for them. This could be the biggest uh, exit of players. You know, when they lose... Mopai and people like that, they've only used one or two. They could end up losing five, six players this summer, I easily, think. Going easily, easily, yeah. Especially with this pandemic and new stadium mm. getting built, you know, yeah, they could easily. lose five or six. So I think this could be I think this could be the best chance for them going up this year. Yeah, and to be fair, you know I mean? They probably deserve it as well. I, I look at the I look at the other sides in the playoffs um, and obviously they beat Fulham at the weekend and for me, it's probably out of them and Fulham. The, others, the other spaces might be filled by Cardiff, Blackburn, Swansea, I think. Press, I Preston. think. Blackburn, I really think Blackburn are an outside bet as well. I think they. You know, you've, no, been, I was you, you've been watching our old show, Charlie, haven't next week? Yeah, uh, we tipped them for promotion. No, for promotion. I was. For, I was fortunate enough that I. Um, I went there pre-season just just to get fit because it's you know tw- 10, 15 minutes from my house. I went and man, Tony Mowbray was kind enough to allow me in there for for no a month to get fit. No Mugger very well. To get Come fit, on. I gave him. A, I managed to get his number and speak to him and he was like, no problem, come in there. But the big thing about them is they've got a great team spirit. Bradley Dak's going to be back soon as well. I think he'll be a massive player for them. I really like him. I think he's quality. Um, and they got they got good players as well, you know what I mean? So I, I believe that spirit is, is, is a big part of what you've got mm. and they've definitely got that in their group, you know. So they could be a dark horse. Lewis Holtby was, on a free uh, uh, the signing of the season, that is. Sail, so so tell you, Charlie. I was, um, I was heartbroken when uh, when Bradley got injured. When he, uh, I was, yeah. I was like a broken yeah. man. I'd, I raved about him week in, week out on the on the on the championship show, and um, yeah, I, 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 I feared for them. You know, what I mean, they had, they, had a, they had a bit of a bad time when he when he first got injured, but then obviously Lewis Holden yeah. got fit. Stewie Stewie moved into different areas. Gallagher took over, and Danny Graham started scoring goals again. Armstrong was started scoring goals, so. They've had different players step up to the table, which they needed really badly. Stewie's Stu, done him, bro, unbelievable. Yeah, you know what I mean? Great, 35 yeah. years of age, played nearly every game. Mm. But like you say, I think they had that whole kick in the teeth with Bradley. That you know, they were, he was his best player. They were a, he was their main man. And he's, and do you know what? I actually thought on the outside before I went in there training, I thought he's a good player, good championship player. He could definitely play the, uh, in the Premier League. You know, he's hundred percent. Yeah, he's he he'd be a good signing for somebody in the Premier League, for, you know, if he can come back from his injury and because he's great, he's got good quality, great vision, you know, he's top player. Um, Mark uh, Sherwood also asked uh, Charlie said, uh, sorry, uh, Al Baker uh, said, uh, what was the highlight of your time in the game so far, and what are some of your interests outside of football? Um, my highlight of the. In the game so far, obviously, was, would be that goal at Wembley, playing at 
you know, getting promoted with Blackpool. Um, interest outside the game. I love, I love, uh, I love golf. Um, you know, I love watching. You know, flicking through the internet, watching about coaching and managers and trying to pick up on managers what and coaches what they do because that's something that interests me when I finish playing. So, just that's really my interest. You know, golf, family, kids. It's that's it. You know. Uh, John Johnny asks you uh, how many tattoos have you got? Oh, only one. My uh, my son's son's name. Nah, let me go. And um, last one from the chat. I'm just gonna pick randomly. Um, what was the name of your student? Uh, and did you say Ben Ben Scalin. Okay, there you go. Ben Scalin asked, "Who was the greatest manager you've worked under, and why?" Greatest manager. Um... Every manager I've had is uh, I've enjoyed different things from. Ollie was the one that gave me that platform to be the player I was. He gave me responsibility by making me captain. So, yeah, I would say him. Obviously, Kenny was he's an icon, and uh, Liverpool was, was was great. But if I'd say one to one relationship, I'd definitely say you and Ollie. Okay, and I'm just going to let one more question in, just because we need a bit of positivity in the world. Uh, and James asks, "Who's that's the a nice, nice? That's the nicest question ever, isn't it? Though, yeah, it's the nicest one we've ever had, and the most polite. Who's who's the nicest footballer you've ever met? Do you know what? Every every player that I've met, every uh, the, uh, all the top players uh, are incredible. People think that they these superstars. It's mm. no disrespect. It's, it's when you go to League One and League the lower leagues." That they they've got a little bit of a chip in the shoulder, but you know if you meet the top players, you know your Lampards or you know Gerrards, you know John Terry, people like that. If you meet them on holiday, they'll sit, have a beer with you, they'll have a chat. You know, nah, it's uh, the, the the top players are the top players for a reason. And um, no, nah, I would always say that every every player that I've met, top player, they've they've always shown gave me respect and they've chatted and. But my favourite one was when I managed to meet Rory McIlroy. That was my uh, that's my favourite one. Nice guy, apparently. I top lad. I was fortunate enough that I got in the in behind the ropes at uh, the Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles, and I met his dad and walked twelve holes with his dad. And wow. I um, I was in Portugal one week, one year, and he, that was the season he got injured with his ribs, and he was in Portugal just practicing, just chipping and putting, and I run was running through the golf course, and I. Um, I uh, I seen him there, and he, he his dad recognised me, and he stopped me, and I I end up chatting for about two hours with him. He just talking about everything, about life in general, about everything. He was just top man, you know. Amazing, lovely, right? Uh, and do you want to just finish us off with the, the couple of questions for Charlie, and then I'll wrap us yeah. up. Yeah. So Charlie, you mentioned then um, uh, about watching and listening closely to managers, uh, etc., for future. Uh, future reference. So, what does the future hold for Charlie Adam? Charlie Adam, um, probably. Well, definitely want to play as long as I can. Um, I want to keep playing until my um, body doesn't allow it. I feel fit, feel good, um, and yeah, definitely going to play as long as I can. But in the background, just trying to get experience with coaching and, and learning every every other every day. You know, different things and taking on board. Um, from other other managers, you know what I mean. So, you know, taking like I said before at the start of the show, taking up Chris Wilder and going and watching the training and speaking to people like that, 
it's only going to be a benefit for me, hopefully in the long run. Totally agree. Uh, can I just say, Charlie, you've been an absolutely inspiration to people, mate. Some of your, your stories, your antidotes, this the way you've held yourself in. You, mate, it's absolutely fantastic interview. I really appreciate oh. your time, mate. Thank you very much. No, thank, thank you very much for having me. Yes, but on I've it's been an absolute pleasure, Charlie. I got to say, I've um, I've been I could listen to you for another like hour and a half, <laughs> but uh, we'll let you go, um, guys. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. Of course, you can check out our other uh, shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and occasionally Sunday video versions. YouTube dot com slash Ace Podcast Nation, audio, all the usual places. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Follow us on social media. Uh, thanks again to Black Diamond Sports for all uh, all their support. Please follow them on social media. Have a look, particularly if you've uh, if you're young footballers and uh, or young sports stars. Have a look, get in contact, see what they're about. Uh, obviously, Bespoke Financial is our new sponsor as well. Um, so if you're looking for life insurance and other similar products, I would highly recommend. Andy, it's been a pleasure, my friend. As oh, always, mate, as always. I nearly forgot, again, like I do every week, follow at AC Footy Show on social media. Uh, it's the Andy Campbell what, Show page. What else, Si? We've got, we got, we got, we got the new show what? as well Friday, haven't we? So tune oh, yeah, in Friday. That's isn't it? Yeah, tune in Friday. We've got our uh, championship, championship show back on at 7pm uh, kickoff on Friday night for 45 minutes. Um, talking all championship fixtures, results, um, with some very interesting interviews as well from current and ex-players. So it should be a blast. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be something completely different. It's going to be mm. shorter than this show. It's going to be different to our championship show. It's evolved, basically. It's an extra show. 45 minutes, half of football. And uh, it's going to be very interesting, very much fun. So join us Friday to get ready for the football weekend. Charlie, thank you. Andy, thank you. And uh, thank you for everybody for tuning in. And we will see you Friday. I will see you on Wednesday. Cheers, guys. As he searches for the... It's Andy Campbell! It's in! Campbell comes off the bench to be a hero! A superhero! Breakthrough! It's taken a while, but it's been worth the wait for Cardiff City. Sports Social Podcast Network.